I'd like to introduce you guys to Magic Mind. Oh, and by the way, they're also sponsoring this episode. Magic Mind Elixir is the ultimate brain-boosting drink to enhance your productivity, focus, and creativity. Packed with all-natural plant-based ingredients like matcha, turmeric, and lion's mane mushroom. Recently, I've become more obsessed with brain health as I get older and the world gets louder and more distracting. I took a shot of this and was able to get through a ton of work and felt calm. Whoa, mind blow. Also tastes great. If you want to give Magic Mind Elixir a try, go to www.magicmind.co forward slash nonprofit lowdown, and you can get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my code nonprofit lowdown, all one word. Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, my guest is Aaron Murch. He is the co-founder and chief information officer at 2H Media. And today we are talking about how to use video to amplify your work. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. It is a delight. We started off this conversation. You said that you wanted to be a filmmaker as a kid. I am someone who does not love putting video content out there. So talk to me about your love of video. Why video? It's something that's always spoken to me. I grew up watching a ton of movies. I think like a lot of kids from my generation, I grew up in front of the television. And I was always captivated of by this idea of telling stories through a camera. And in my youth, I wanted to grow up and get into the world of movie production. And I've done a little bit of that on the independent scene. Where I got really good at it was helping people tell stories from a marketing perspective. And I didn't grow up to be a movie star or a famous director, but I do get to work in video now. So it's still very exciting and scratches that itch that I've had from a young age. All right, let's talk about video for a second, because I know there are lots of people out there, other executive directors that feel very intimidated by video. It feels easier to do written content or even Twitter content or even like Instagram stuff, but then you're talking about video. So why is video so intimidating? I think it's intimidating for a few reasons. For one, a lot of people just don't have practice with it. And that's the biggest thing, practice. You mentioned Instagram in that comment that you know Instagram can be a little easier. That's a really good place to start. If you are intimidated getting in front of a camera, getting on video, you need to get as much practice in as possible. And just starting to put out Instagram content on a regular basis can be a really great way to get more comfortable with it over time. I think the other reason that people get intimidated by video is it seems like it can be very complicated. Professional production involves a lot of equipment, a lot of people, a lot of moving parts that can be very intimidating on their own. And if you don't have someone helping you through the process, or you haven't already spent a ton of time getting comfortable just being in front of any camera, then being in front of all that large-scale equipment and having all those people involved can make the process even more intimidating than just the prospect of people seeing you talk on screen in the first place. All right. I'm changing my mind on this. Why should every nonprofit be thinking about video as a strategy to amplify their message? In today's digital landscape, you have to cut through the noise. And there is so much noise. Video is by far the most powerful communication tool for actually creating visibility in an online space and actually sharing your messaging with an audience in a way people can connect with it. I 
express to a lot of business owners and nonprofits that at a local scale, people are your brand. And in order for your audience to resonate with your organization and its messaging, they need to feel a personal connection to the people involved in your organization. And the fastest way to create that is sharing personal video content. So you don't need like crazy special effects or like a massive production budget, but you need to get real people in front of a, a camera having real conversations so that the people in your community get to know who you actually are. I really love that because I think sometimes nonprofits get this idea that they need to communicate the way big corporations communicate, but you're absolutely right, especially for the smaller local nonprofits. It really is about that personal connection. Do I feel like I know and trust the other person on the screen or on the website? That local piece is huge. I have a lot of conversations with nonprofits that are geographically locked. They might be getting municipal or federal funding, and so they're serving clients in a specific region. They are often working with specific needs groups that aren't international. They're located in their own communities. And one of the most common challenges that I see from uh, executive directors and people working in the management of nonprofits is that people in their community have no idea what their organizations do. Even within their own peer groups, oh yeah, a lot of your friends know that you're an executive director at a nonprofit. Do they have any idea what you do at that nonprofit or what that nonprofit is even about? And a lot of the time, the answer is no, uh, which is a pretty scary thought when you think about the value of these organizations, the impact they are having in the communities and the impact they could be having in the communities if more people knew about them. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard someone describe their nonprofit as the best kept secret in this city, I'd have a lot of nickels. Can we get down to just like tactical stuff? When we think about video, I know there are folks out there that are thinking like, oh my God, I can't do a TikTok dance. <laughs> what kind of video content are we talking about? Are we, and what sort of format, what sort of length are we putting it on YouTube? What's, what, if I'm a complete newbie, Aaron, where do I start? That's a series of great questions. Figuring out where to break that down. First of all, I want to reassure everyone who's listening, you don't have to go and do TikTok dances unless you're really passionate about going and doing TikTok dances. If that's the culture in your organization and you already love that, go for it. Go nuts. Share that side of your organization with the world. It's important for people to know who you are. That's probably not you. You're probably focused on creating a lot of impact, not doing any glamorous self-promotion, and your videos should reflect that. There's a lot of different types of videos that you can produce to share your messaging. My favorite thing to do is focus on success stories. I think with nonprofit leadership, there's a real fear of coming across as bragging when you talk about the impact that you're having and the work you're doing. I have a twofold response to that. Number one, it's okay to brag a little bit. When you're doing amazing work, it's okay to tell people. But number two, you can make that a lot less uncomfortable by changing how you share that messaging. So one of my favorite types of videos to create is interviews with past participants in your organization. Can you actually go out into the communities that you're creating change in and create content focused around that change? When you provide a hand up for someone, that is a catalyst for change in their life. Regardless of what you're doing specifically as a nonprofit, the goal is to give other groups and other individuals a chance to take whatever you've given them and run with it. 
if you make the focus of your video content on how the people that you've positively impacted have run with it after the fact, it's going to, number one, show the long-term impact that you're having in your community. And number two, make those individuals the focus and the spotlight of what you're doing so you can celebrate someone else who's doing amazing things without just getting on camera and patting yourself on the back. I, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I like to. It, if I'm thinking about making this video content, I'm like, okay, who's going to watch it? Are My donors might watch it, but aren't they going to get sick of the same kind of thing over and over again, all these success stories? Like, what if I don't even have an idea of who my audience actually is and what they want? That's a great question. And there's really two questions in there. One is, who is your audience and how are you defining them? How can you define that? And the other question is, are people going to get sick of this content? I want to address the question about engagement first, because I think that's the simpler one to answer. Short answer is no, people aren't going to get sick of it. People get really attached to individuals. It's really easy to fall in love with a person. And by making these success stories focused on um, varied people that you're supporting, you can keep the stories very different from each other and keep them fresh. So you're not talking about the same programs and services all the time. You're telling very personal stories about what people have created. A perfect example would be we did some work with a local business accelerator. And so we captured a series of testimonial videos talking about the success of various small businesses that have been through their programs. Every single one of those videos was completely different. In one video, we're talking to a restaurant who'd been through the accelerator. In another, we were talking to an electrical installation company. And in terms of creating varied content that's going to feel fresh every time it goes out on your channels, it isn't the same thing over and over again, but it is all showing the impact of the organization within the community. And we've seen the results. We've seen massive increases in social media engagement when organizations start putting this content out there. When you use it on your website, we start to see higher conversion rates on the affected pages. Like it is measurable that these things work. And in terms of keeping it fresh for people, yeah, you just, you keep it fresh by making sure that you aren't shooting the same thing over and over again, even if it all has that underlying messaging that ties back into what you're trying to convey. In terms of understanding who your audience is, it's not, this isn't even a video challenge. This is something that I think nonprofits really need to have conversations with their internal teams on and their marketing departments on regularly. There's a few different audiences that are massively important. And the content that you're producing needs to speak to those audiences specifically. So if you're creating something for your donors, that's potentially going to be very different than creating a piece of content for participants in one of your programs. Who are you trying to attract and why? There's different ways to go about it. One of the things I love to do is have non-monetary asks for donors. Increasing donor engagement is an awesome way of stopping them from just being a bank account and turning them to, into actual partners within your ecosystem. Video content can be a great way to do that. We've seen a lot of success with organizations sitting down with donors and actually doing short interviews on why that partnership was created. And that does two things. It, again, it reinforces the impact and the value of the organization because it gives those sponsors a chance to talk about why they chose that organization specifically to support. And it gives your sponsors a chance to actually get in front of your audience, which is creating marketing value for them that you don't see in a lot of, in a lot of sponsorships. Often people will get a logo on the website. They don't get that extra piece. 
And creating shared marketing opportunities like that could be a great way of creating extra value for that audience, which is then going to speak to your other sponsors as well, because it's showing them that you're actually building relationships with your sponsors instead of just cashing the checks and moving on. Yeah, that's such a great point. And the other thing that I really want to highlight here is, especially in major gift fundraising with individuals that I work in, people have personal reasons for giving. And the more you can tap into both having them talk about those personal reasons, but also highlighting those personal reasons can be inspiring to other people. Talk to me about some tactical things. Like when we think about video content, is there a particular platform that we should be thinking about? Is there a time frame that we should be like, is it should it be two minutes long to be 20 minutes long? What are we talking about here? Aaron? Sure. It depends on what you're doing. There's some like really general rules. You almost never need to create really long videos. So 30 seconds is awesome. Two to four minutes is a max in most cases. And then where those videos get used depends on what you're trying to achieve. So a two to four minute video is way too long for your social media channels, but that's great YouTube content. It can also be great website content. It's a fact that pages, web pages with video on them convert, have a higher converter conversion rate than web pages without video. So if you're creating long form videos that talk about what you do and the impact you're having, those make sense to host on your website. For everything else, go where your audience is. Who are you trying to reach? Is it donors? Is it participants? Is it partner organizations? All of those audiences are going to be on different platforms. So Facebook is still the biggest social media platform in the world by a huge margin. A lot of your donors are probably going to be there. So that's probably going to be one of the best places to put your content out. If you're trying to provide support for a younger demographic and you're trying to make more people aware of your program so that they can take advantage of your services, then you might want to promote on Instagram or TikTok and try to get into the channels that those audiences are using. So there's no one channel that's going to be the best for every organization. You've just got to think about who your audience is, what channels they're using, and then make sure your content is hitting those channels. And the best way to do that is to just open conversations with the people you already know in those audiences and find out what they're doing. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Are we using video as a way to build awareness among community members who don't even know about us? Or are we using it as a way to deepen engagement with people who are already in our circle? Or is it both? It's both. It's absolutely both. Video is really easy to share. And this goes back to, you know, what I'm talking about, the value of sharing success stories. People love to share feel-good moments. So if you can produce a short video about the impact you're having and like it feels awesome and inspiring and people walk away with that with a warm and fuzzy feeling in their stomach, they're more likely to share that video with other people in their network. And that's going to give you reach with new audiences. In terms of existing audiences, I want to circle back to the point about a lot of people in your community are probably confused about what you do. And creating this content is a great way to deepen engagement with those people that are already in your network by actually just explicitly telling them over and over again, here's the impact we're having. Here's what our organization does. Yeah. I think that's such an important point because I think we, we think that just because we say it once, people understand it, but it's a message that bears repeating again and again. What's that statistic that takes seven times for someone to actually understand what you're saying? Oh yeah. It's repetition is key. Very few people understand anything the first time. And I think understanding what nonprofits do 
is a more challenging than average concept, particularly because there's so much nuance to it. We see a lot of local organizations that are not in competition, but in an ecosystem with very similar organizations that haven't done a great job creating differentiation. All right, let's ask the million dollar question. When I was in ED, I had board members sitting around the table going like, why can't we just create one of those viral videos? And I was like, really? <laughs> Do you think if I could just create viral videos, I'd be here with you? So let's dispel some myths about creating viral videos. Sure. Good luck. I would love for every organization out there to create a viral video. It's not something you can just manufacture. A viral video is a buzzwordy way of saying you've created a really good video content that's resonated with a lot of people and been shared over and over again. You can luck into that. The best way to get there is to produce a lot of consistently good video content. And then somewhere along the line, people are going to start sharing that content. And one of them may take off, but you can't count on it. So yeah. We would never promise that when going into a video project. Look at what you can control. You probably have some social media following. Maybe it's not the biggest, but if you can get more engagement out of those followers that you've already got, that's a win. If they share it with some of the people in your network, in their networks, and your follower base starts to grow, that's a win. So like video is a great way of creating long-term growth if you're consistent about it. It's not something that you can just put out into the world, get a viral hit, and then see this massive spike in the, unless you get exceedingly lucky. Yeah, that is so true. So let's talk about consistency. Like how often should we be producing video? And is it more about how much video that we're producing? Or is it really just about the consistency of the content? It's way more about consistency. We get this question all the time and it applies to all of your online marketing, whether it's blog posting, social media posting, updating your Google My Business, you name it. Produce content at the fastest rate that you can do consistently. Now, I'm like channeling all my ED people out there and they're like, oh God, this is just like another thing for me to do. How simple can creating content be if we're doing like a two minute video every week, let's say, and or we're showing up on lives every week or whatever it may be, like what's the smallest viable product that I can produce that is not going to be overwhelming for me? I just have as simple as possible. Any video content at all is going to be better than the none that you're probably putting out right now. Start with a 30-second video captured on your phone, even once a week. What about putting some young person in charge on my team to do all the video stuff? Is that a terrible idea? That's a great idea. If you've got the support network, lean on it. One of the biggest things about video that can be, a, can be an unspoken benefit, so it's not a benefit of the videos being release, but it's a benefit of the videos, videos being created is it's a great way to build better relationships with donors, volunteers, and other stakeholders. If there's anyone in your ecosystem that's passionate about seeing your organization grow, get the help wherever you can. If you've got volunteers in your organization that are super passionate about what you do, put them in charge of putting some video content out. You've probably got some young go-getters in the organization that are just really amped up and excited if they can share that excitement with the rest of your network, that's going to do wonders for the feel and the energy of your community as a whole. So let's get into some nuts and bolts of storytelling. So I know that we have we talk a lot about 
the value of story to communicate the message and to communicate the emotion behind it. What are some guidelines that we can think about as far as what makes a good story for video? A story has to have a beginning, middle, and end. So that's one of the biggest things from a technical perspective in terms of actual storytelling is create a real narrative around what you're trying to say. So an introduction that hooks people into what you're trying to say, give them a little bit of information, and then end on something that tells them the video is over. Usually a call to action is a great way of doing that, or it could be a key takeaway, just something to let them know why they've sat through your 30-second speech. The other thing to think about from a storytelling perspective is understand who the hero of your story is and what messages you're trying to convey. So in some videos, when you're talking about all the great work you're doing, your organization might be the hero. In a testimonial video where you're talking about impact, well, the people who've been through your programs, really run with it and succeeded, might be the hero of the story, and you're just a supporting character. Uh, That's maybe getting a little too technical in terms of like general storytelling advice. The other thing that I would focus on in terms of storytelling is think really hard about the tone of the stories that you're trying to tell. It's really tempting for a lot of nonprofits to slip into sharing tragedies. The need can be pretty heartbreaking in some cases. And we have this instinct as humans to latch onto that need and really wallow in it. Videos that talk about solutions to these big picture problems are a lot more impactful than just sharing that the problems exist. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of the visceral reaction that people might have against video is uh, the poverty porn that we all grew up with on TV, the poor kids with the flies on their faces and or like the ASPCA dogs like in the corner. Those are terrible videos. And yet it sears in our brain. Like we remember those videos, but it also just it's it leaves haste in the mouth that I think is really not the lasting impression that a lot of people want to leave with their donors. And those videos can be really exploitative too, which is something that we don't want to do. That's not good for anyone. It's not good for the health of your brand. It's not a good thing to do to people. We don't want to exploit people with any of our content and especially not video. There's been a real trend over the last several years of do-gooder video content where people are recording themselves handing out money to homeless populations. And that's completely exploitative. That's not what we're talking about when we say go into the community and share success stories. There's a big difference between recording the act of you going and helping someone who's impoverished and following up with someone who's taken your support and built something awesome with their life and saying, hey, where are you now? Talk to people when they're at their high points. Focus on doing the work and then share the results. Don't just wallow in the misery and share people at their saddest points. That's not helping anyone. Oh, I love that. Share people at their highest points. And the other thing that I just want to highlight here is that I think that there is this feeling that any, featuring any story of the people that we serve is exploitative. And I think there's a very fine line here to your point about you can tell the story in a way that's empowering and that's connecting and that makes the people whose story that you're sharing feel really good. And there are other ways to do the opposite. And so like, I think we just have to be really careful and mindful about how we're doing it in a sensitive and trauma-informed way. Absolutely. Also like 
people are people and surviving anything is hard. And if you treat the people that you're promoting as real human beings and you're respectful, I think staying on the right side of that line is really easy. Most of the people that are going to be good fits for these videos should be thrilled to participate. If someone's going to be uncomfortable doing this, they're probably not the right fit. We're talking about highlighting community champions that have had great experiences with their organization, loved everything that you've done for them, and want to share that experience with the world. Those are the people you want to tap into. If you're just trying to like really pressure people in your network into sharing stories that are making them uncomfortable, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's not a nice thing to do, and you're not going to get the results you want. So let's talk about, I think we think a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm just wondering how might we think about that with respect to video and the content that we're putting out? I'll preface this by saying, as someone who's grown up and lived in a position of privilege my whole life, I'm completely unqualified to speak on this topic in any meaningful or impactful way. So I can give you some like high level marketing thoughts on it that are like broadly generic, but in terms of any like meaningful impact, I'm just not the right person. I wouldn't pretend to be. It's important. If they, not everyone knows that equity is important, but everyone knows that we're talking about equity being important. And I think it's in terms of positioning your organization, it's massively important to value equity and it's massively important to share that. So if you can create more diverse video content, do it. I would hope this just comes naturally. Your organization should be diverse to begin with. And you shouldn't have to look for diversity in the people you're featuring in your videos. That should just already be part of your ecosystem or you've got bigger problems. Yeah. One thing that is occurring to me too is as you're thinking about sort of editorial direction, I would hope that you are including lots of different voices in the decision-making, right? Because if it's coming from one source, that's certainly problematic and you're probably going to be leaning on telling one kind of story. Absolutely. I, again, I think this is a bigger organizational issue. Who's on your board? Is your board diverse? Do you have people weighing in on all of your decisions from different perspectives? Like a video project is a really nice encapsulation of all of this because it's so visible. People can immediately see if you're not taking into account different perspectives because they can see your messaging so much more clearly but all that's doing is shining a spotlight on your organization as a whole. Whether you're putting out a video or a blog post, I think you should be asking these same questions. But let's talk about that tactically, because I think there's one thing to have representation on the board and on your staff, but oftentimes, especially in smaller nonprofits, it's usually like one person who's creating sure. content. So like, how are we thinking about I get back to editorial direction, right? So if we're putting some young person on our team in charge of video, like how are we actually making sure that it's representative of not just the brand, but a diversity of voices when oftentimes it's maybe your 20 something intern creating video on the side? Yeah, that's a really good question. The short answer is it's hard and it's something that you really have to put a lot of active work into. So from the start, I would make that part of the conversation with whoever's running the initiatives to make sure you build a plan around it. And unfortunately, that can be time consuming. I'd look at surveying. My, my answer to anything is just ask people. Ask people in your network. Ask people from the groups you're trying to identify with. Whenever you don't know the answer to a question, just figure out who the right person is to ask and go there. If you 
already have a large social media following, invite people to share different perspectives. Actually just put the word out there and say, hey, we've got these great projects in the pipeline. We're looking for voices. Can you share your perspective? Yeah. And I think the technology has really enabled more community-based approach, right? Anybody with an iPhone in their pocket can be a video content producer. Yep. So let's switch gears a little bit. Where do you see the future of video being, Aaron? Like, I don't think this video thing is going anywhere anytime soon. Do you see, let's say, younger donors really looking to video first? What are some forecasting trends that you can highlight for us? It's only going to become more and more popular and more and more accessible. There are more people creating video today than ever. And like, even from a marketing perspective, we see this changing how companies like mine have to sell video. There was a time when I could just put out a demo reel that showed two minutes of all of my best footage cut to music, and then customers would see that, they'd be really impressed, and they'd buy video services. And that doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work anymore because being able to create video isn't unique. Anyone can do it. Anyone can go out and get a camera, set it up, and capture amazing footage. Your cell phone probably has a camera in it that dwarfs many of the best cameras of the last 30 years in technical capabilities. And so... With video becoming so much more available, so much more commonplace, it's harder and harder to stand out with video content. And in order to do that effectively, you need to get really good at telling effective stories. Forecasting the future of video, there's going to be more of it. The technical side is going to become easier. And as the both of those things become true, getting really good at sharing impactful content through your videos is going to become more and more important. And so the best time to practice that is now so that you're already a veteran on it as these things become more of a mainstay. Let's talk about AI for a second. Sure. What are the ways in which changing the video landscape, either through use of chat GPT for scripts, or I'm sure that there's some interesting AI happening in the video space. Like how should we be thinking about the technology and innovation in order to help leverage video for our organizations? It's pretty early to make any real judgment calls on AI. It's something I see a lot of excitement around from people in the marketing space. A lot of people are using it to push out like long form blog content and build all the copy for their websites and all these crazy things. We use AI a little bit for script writing. It's a phenomenal tool for saving time if you already know what you want to say, but you're not necessarily the fastest writer in terms of putting together scripts. It takes a ton of massaging. So AI will make things up. It won't take into account different perspectives. There is a bias that comes with the training data that was fed into the AI in the first place. So these are things that you really have to think carefully about if you're going to rely on an AI program to write your scripts for you. And it really does take a lot of manual effort and a lot of massaging. To be totally honest, I think it's something that most nonprofit organizations won't be able to benefit from in the near future. If you're at the point of creating videos requiring detailed enough scripts that you're having an AI assist in the writing, you're probably going to get better results out of working with a copywriter on a project of that scale. For everything else, for anyone trying to work simple and start off by bootstrapping it, you're going to be better off capturing organic content uh, that's very personal. So think about your key talking points, maybe have some bullets. And then don't worry about a detailed script at all. Try to have a more natural conversation on camera. It's going to be easier to produce and it's going to read better with your audience anyways. Even if it takes a few tries to get that shot. What are your 
thoughts about using video as personalization and reach out to individual donors? So not video that you're putting on social or putting on your website, but rather, hey, Aaron, thanks for your donation. Here's what we did with it. I love the idea. And we've seen a lot of companies have success with it. I think that's going to be really daunting for a lot of people that are new to video because there's so much more work that goes into creating that much of a quantity of content and on that personal of a level. There's awesome software out there for it, for creating short personalized videos to walk through content. It's a great way of explaining things that would be extremely difficult to explain through text. So like, it's a super powerful tool. And if you're a really tech forward organization and you've listened to this idea and that sounds exciting, yeah, go for it. It works really well. If you listen to this idea and you froze up and went, oh, I don't think I'm ready for that, then trust your gut. Focus on what's going to be more achievable and don't worry about it. Works really well. You don't have to start there. Sounds good. Okay, last question for me, Aaron. What are some of the common mistakes that you've seen with nonprofits make with video? So it's a funny question. I see a lot of nonprofits not creating video content at all. So that's the number one mistake is not doing anything. The number two mistake for people who are creating some video content is not sharing it in the right channels or not sharing it at all. It's very common for organizations to create a video, drop it onto their website, and then never use it on any of their social medias. It's very common for organizations to create a video specifically to show at a fundraiser and then not share it on any of their platforms, even their website. So if you're going to create video resources, use them as much as possible. On the technical level, there's little things. Make sure your audio quality is good. So if you're going to record a video, do it somewhere quiet. Make sure the lights are all turned on and people can see you clearly. Try not to move the camera around too much, things like that. There's some great influencer tools out there. You can get a stand for your cell phone with a ring light that's going to make it really easy for you to create decent looking video content on a budget. Great. All right, Aaron, this has been a lot of fun. Where can folks find you if they want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing with 2H? Absolutely. The best way to get in touch with me is to just reach out to me by email, Aaron at 2H.media. Okay. We'll make sure to put that info in the show notes, but Aaron, thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. You, you've you. convinced me. I'm going to start doing video. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Take care. You too. Hi, if you're a fan of Nonprofit Lowdown, you might be interested in my weekly free newsletter where I send out weekly inspiration for fundraising, notices about any upcoming events that I'm doing, and a cute dog picture. So check it out at riawong.com, R-A-G-A-W-O-N-G.com. Thank you.